Have you felt stressed recently? And if you have, do you find sometimes when you feel stressed, you really feel like you're very much on your own with that stress? And sometimes it's difficult to really make connections with other people. If so, stay tuned to today's podcast because we're going to be talking about stress and how it can have really quite a massive impact in your ability to connect with other people and what to do about it. And if you want to find out more about how to improve your relationships, head over to therelationshipmaze.com where we have lots of resources. And before you do anything else, press subscribe so you can subscribe and tune into every edition of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to this week's podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about stress. We're going to follow up from the last podcast and go a little bit deeper into how stress can really impact our relationships and connections with other people, and indeed how those connections are actually so important when it comes to helping us to deal with stress more effectively. Yeah, so in our last uh, episode, we talked a bit about stress and polyvagal theory. Uh, for those of you who haven't listened to this episode, it would be quite a good introduction to what we're talking about today. So so maybe head back, have a look at that episode as well, and, and then listen uh, to our current episode today. So we talked about polyvagal theory, and we talked specifically about how uh, in terms of our nervous system, we can be in three different states. So we can be in a state of connection with other people when we're feeling very safe and secure, when there is no perceived threat or no real threat, nothing is kind of getting in the way of feeling good about ourselves and life. So that's ideally the sort of state that we want to be in um, and <clears throat> that we want to aim for, of course, because that's the state where we feel very happy and content generally. Uh, and then we can also, um, when there is a, a, a perceived threat or a real threat, we can kind of, we're mobilizing, and that's the sort of second state that we can get into in terms of our autonomic uh, nervous system, where we are mobilizing for um, fight or flight. So either we can, you know, when somebody threatens me, when I feel threatened, when I feel uncomfortable with another person, or I feel that they're going to do me some harm, I can either kind of get into an argument with them and fight back, or I can run away if I think, well, actually, my chances here of winning this one uh, are not very good, so I'd better, I better leg it, I better run away. And I might do this physically, I mean, in real terms, kind of running away, or I might do it kind of in my head, so to speak, by, by just sort of shutting down, not engaging any further in the argument, and running away sort of in that kind of context. So that's the second state I just described. The third state um, that we um, are concerned with when we're talking about polyvagal theory or just generally uh, theories around our autonomic, autonomic nervous system is the state where we're going into a freeze response. So if I know that I can't do anything here, I, I can't fight this person, I can't, I can't run fast enough, they're going to get me. Another thing of, another way of dealing with the situation is to just freeze, which is to play dead, so to speak. And I should explain that these kind of responses are part of our system, our nervous system does it automatically. So this is not to do with thinking or anything like this. This is something that we inherently biologically do without thinking, the instinctual responses, and that's what we can also witness in the animal world, of course. So that third state is the state that we talked about uh, a little bit more in the session last, in the episode last uh, last week, the free state, so everything shuts down, that's very often the state when we are feeling very burned out, can't do anything, 
um, feel that you know, feel quite hopeless and helpless very often. And crucially, when we are in this state, or also in the previous state that I described, the fight, uh, the fight or flight response, we are so engaged with survival, so to speak, with kind of you know getting to the next day or surviving this situation that we experience as threatening, that we cannot engage with other people. And actually, particularly when we're in that kind of free state, we are we have lost uh, the ability to interpret uh, whether another person is friendly in terms of their attitude towards us or not. We can't literally distinguish anymore what's the you know what's this person really what's their intention? Do they have a positive intention or not? So um, so what's really important is we're talking about connection here. That we try to um, we try to get out of in order to kind of um, in order to feel connected with other people we need to if we are in either of these second or third stages that I described fight flight freeze we need to build some capacity again to connect with other people because if we do uh, and this is the sort of this is the diff the catch twenty two situation so to speak if we are connected with other people. We can regulate better, we can regulate our emotions better, we can regulate our distress better. We're getting into a state uh, that's called co-regulation where other people can help us to feel better about ourselves again. So if we if we manage to connect with others, we can also we can come out of these states where we feel very helpless, hopeless, frustrated, burned out, etc. But of course we've got to get there first. So this is the kind of difficulty, that's the catch twenty-two, as I say. Um, so if we if we can't feel safe with other people, then of course we can't connect with them. So we have to develop some ways of feeling, of creating a sense of connection again, or a sense of a sense of uh, of safety first before we can connect with others. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that and kind of you know how how we can kind of regulate that. But really, what I want to emphasize is that um, if we are uh, connected to other people, uh, we experience less stress. And one of the worst experiences of stress, very frequently, just to touch on that as well, that people can experience is when they are feeling very lonely. So loneliness in itself is a huge stressor because uh, loneliness means that you, do, you don't feel connected with others. And it also means that you can't regulate your emotions well enough with other people. So they can't help you to feel better either. So, um, so this is why for, for lots of people, loneliness in itself is very distressing. Because we are, and I'm, I'm going on here, sorry, I'm on a rant, I'm not going to stop now, just one more minute. Because just to sort of emphasize that we are born, we come into this world seeking connection. We are dependent on, uh, on our parents to feed us, we can't survive on our own as infants. We need connection with other people, that is wired into our system, and that's why it's so important to create that. But first of all, before we can, yeah, before we can, uh, if we're very stressed and we struggle with connection, we might have to learn to regulate a little bit on, uh, by our, uh, on our own and to manage our autonomic uh, nervous system, to manage our fight, flight, freeze responses. Yeah, and, and also I think, you know, just bearing in mind with that, um, I think something to think about as well is that in evolutionary terms, it's, it's natural that we tend to, when we're under stress as well, to focus more on ourselves yeah. and kind of shut off from the social aspects. And I think we talked about this recently yeah. ourselves where, um, you know, maybe in a pandemic, I've noticed a lot of people have been saying how they think a lot more people um, mm. in general, very, you know, you can't always generalise, but mm. maybe being kind of more self-focused at the end of it. and. Yeah. 
Well, naturally, when there's a threat to our safety or survival, what we tend to do is we tend to focus on surviving. And that does often kind of influence more selfish focus. We tend to focus on on ourselves because that's, you know, we need to get through this. So we can see that, you know, that shutting off from other people you know can be a natural response although sometimes it's counterproductive because we know that actually you know as humans we do need other people as you said we need that sense of connection and actually we find safety in groups but there's still this primal kind of desire to just look after ourselves to some extent yeah it's really interesting i mean it would be very interesting to see on a sort of society level uh how uh, the pandemic has affected um, social connection in society generally. Um, I'm sure there'll be lots of studies following this. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, just um, with that, um, I have heard that in the dating scene, the online dating scene, apparently um, that there's been more of a shift. I was reading the other day from apps like Tinder, mm. where basically people are wanting to get to know the other person a lot more mm. before they actually meet them. So whereas before it might have been kind of swiping a lot yeah. and kind of going meet someone, it's like actually people want to kind of get to know the other person online before, so drawing that connection. So, so there's more of a desire to connect. Yeah, yeah, or kind of, or level, maybe, maybe a safety aspect of yeah. kind of thinking, yeah, yeah. well, we need to get to know them before we meet them. So yeah. again, it could be that safety aspect. Absolutely, good. Yeah, and you know, again, that's we've seen the dating scene as well mm. with the pandemic, with people not being able to meet so much. Yeah, how has that affected the sense of connection? Mm. Um, so that's that's a major thing. You know, mm. not being able to kind of go out and meet people, mm. not having that connection. And as Angela said, if we don't have that connection, we can feel more stress. Yeah. If we don't have that connection, we tend to feel more lonely. But at the same time, you know, we also see that under stress, mm. a lot of people that um, I've worked with will experience that even if they're kind of in a relationship even a close relationship, when they're under a lot of stress, they can feel quite lonely and isolated. Mm. So it's actually, you know, being with somebody else in their company doesn't mm. necessarily stop you from feeling that sense of <clears throat> loneliness. No, sure. I mean, you have to create that connection. And of course, that takes, that might take a bit of time as well to yeah. kind of really feel safe with someone else. Yeah. And also yeah. because under stress, we have that response mm. where it kind of inhibits that ability to connect. We kind of don't read those cues, as Angela said. Mm. Uh, and also we shut off ourselves. We don't give out those cues that we want to connect. Mm. So basically when we're, you know, with the, the response, the polyvagal response as well, you know, we won't be giving out those signals that we're open to connection. We, we shut them off even unconsciously. Yeah. So when we try and meet people, when we try and connect, sometimes we're giving out these unconscious cues in our physiology, our body language, nonverbal signals, mm. and also what we say that actually we don't really want connection. Mm. Even if we feel we do, we're, we're kind of, we're, we're inhibiting it ourselves. Yeah. Or you lose, I mean, I think, I, I mean, I know this with uh, working with a lot of clients who are quite isolated or feel quite lonely that, it's it's kind of just learning how to know how to do this, you know, how mm. to create connection. There's a sort of fear around that. Can I, you know, uh, can people still read my signals? Do they really like me, etc. So it tips over. This kind of stress also tips over into questions around uh, self-esteem, etc. That we have talked about before. Yeah, and in some ways, when in sort of dating scenes, you know, often people get very stressed when they're going out on a date. Mm. And when when a lot of people are asked, what do you find attractive about somebody? Many people will often respond, well, they seemed confident. Mm. So, 
you know, maybe as well, that stress that we have, that anxiety we build up, mm-hmm. which causes us to kind of shut down some of those signals for connection, mm-hmm. that causes us to shut down the signals for connecting even when we're going out dating. Mm-hmm. So in fact, you know, learning how to manage this stress response and learning ways to deal with it in a different way, uh, maybe something that can help you give across more of a sense of confidence. It may even be very much linked with charisma because charisma mm-hmm. at some level is that power to connect. We're able to connect, we're kind of attract. Uh, and you know once that if that polyvagal system is, is operating in such a way to kind of inhibit that connection then we don't allow our true charisma to come through so learning to manage that learning to kind of relax learning how to deal differently with those stressors so those mm. things that cause us stress um i think you know maybe mm. even a key to becoming more charismatic I mean, obviously, if uh, a polyvagal theory in particular is very often uh, used when uh, working with trauma. So if you've had uh, a long, long history of um, of uh, situations uh, in your life or growing up where you didn't feel safe as a child, that's something that kind of really bads in and needs quite a bit of work. Um, so, so these sort of building connection with other people might be a very slow process. Just to emphasize that, you know, it's not necessarily... Uh, a quick fix um, so it might require some time that you can actually learn to feel safe again in your body and in your relationship with other people yeah and, and some ways to do that as well if, if it is something that you feel is quite stressful actually going out and connecting again because mm-hmm. you know after the pandemic and even before the pandemic you know if there have been times where you felt quite isolated how do you form a connection mm-hmm. if you're really afraid of going and speaking to people how do you initiate that connection mm-hmm. and some ways to do that are you, you can go into environments with other people but don't feel you have to actually talk to them mm-hmm. so I, i'm not talking about just going you know just just going sit next to people randomly and not talking to them for no mm-hmm. reason but you know maybe go to like an exercise class with a group of people mm-hmm. You don't have to talk to them first off. If you go for several classes, then over time you get to know the people a little bit and then it becomes easier. Go and take an evening class, Um, go on a course or go somewhere into an environment where other people are around, but there's no pressure to actually talk. And if that's kind of steady thing with regular people, then over time people may start to talk to you or it becomes easier to go and initiate those conversations. Yeah, and also remember that um, we can work on our autonomic nervous system, so it's not sort of set in stone. So what uh, might be needed if you notice that there is a lot of anxiety by getting into social situations, you might have to learn to regulate uh, your bodily responses, first of all, your nervous system through breathing exercises, visualizations, there are all sorts of interventions that you can try in order to tell your body that uh, you're feeling safe. And if your body feels safe, if you're, you know, if you have a physiological response of safety, so to speak, of calming your system down, then the mind can follow. Then you can also start to think differently and you can start to think again about oh, actually, maybe these people there are quite nice people and I might want to get to know them. But So always working through the body actually can be incredibly helpful to manage this kind of stress better. Yeah, absolutely. So we can we can try and regulate it, but also what's important to consider is that you know different people find different things stressful. So mm. what's a stress to somebody isn't to somebody else. Yeah. So the question is, why do some people respond 
in this different way mm -hmm. and there are many people who do feel kind of stressed from a situation mm -hmm. but it doesn't affect them in a negative way they're able to kind of deal with that in a different way mm -hmm. they can handle it same with anxiety mm -hmm. there may be situations that make two people feel anxious but one person just gets on with it mm -hmm. and the other person doesn't so what is the difference mm -hmm. and that's something that's also important to think about mm -hmm. that you know over time we've evolved that um, you know the anxiety response which I'll talk about it's a similar in a similar context of stress response is you know, there are things that are dangerous in the environment mm -hmm. but in modern life to humans there's not so many dangerous things Centuries ago, as we talked about in the last podcast, you know, it might be a wild animal is going to come and attack you. So we have to go into the stress response. Mm -hmm. However, you know, nowadays we don't have those sort of attacks. We're not at risk. Our lives generally aren't at risk. Although, you know, in some professions, uh, maybe more so. But mm -hmm. for most of us, the environment's fairly safe. But we respond to like the, our kind of boss asking us to do something or kind of the threat of losing our jobs in, in a way that causes this response. Mm -hmm. But what it is isn't the actual situation itself, it's what the meaning we make from it. And what we tend to do is we try to avoid those things that cause us anxiety or stress. So it's not just the stressful situation itself that becomes the problem. Mm. It's the fact that we know, oh, we get really stressed with this, so we do everything we can to avoid going into that situation in the first place. So the fear of the fear. Yes, yeah, so we right. have the fear of the fear itself. Mm. And, and that builds up over time and it's something unique to humans. And the reason is because we use our kind of verbal, our kind of symbolic language of our brain to, to make situations or these mm. triggers symbolize more than they actually do mean. Mm -hmm. So what do we do about that? So, okay, so you're talking about associations that we have, yeah? Or the sort of sense of that, uh, okay, um, I had a bad experience there once, now I'm going to start to feel really anxious about it. Because the last time I was really anxious about it, I'm going to be anxious about it again. Yeah, yeah. so we start to kind of, mm. we do that and we start thinking, well, you know, mm. I, can't, I can't go to that party because I'll feel anxious. Yeah. So we start to kind of frame things in a way where we put meaning together that don't necessarily go together. Mm. Because you can go to a party and feel anxious. In fact, many people that go to social situations do have quite a high level of stress about going to them. Mm. But when they go, it helps them get through it. Mm. Uh, in fact, I think most people have some level of stress when they go into kind of social situations. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm, I feel relatively confident socially, but I don't like going to parties where I don't know anyone. Yeah. Mm. But, but over time, the more we avoid it, the more we increase that response. Mm -hmm. So the more we have that stress response. Mm -hmm. So, in fact, when we talk ourselves out of these things that, that might cause us stress we're actually increasing the fact that we're going to have more of that the next time we go into that situation. Uh, and I think on the next podcast as well, what we'll talk about is um, an approach called acceptance, acceptance and commitment therapy, which mm -hmm. is a slightly different kind of, it's like fourth wave of CBT, mm -hmm. which looks at actually how, what we talked about emotional regulation, how actually mm -hmm. emotional regulation can itself be problematic if we don't do it in the right way. So mm -hmm. that's what we're going to look at next time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's about sort of decoupling, isn't it? Decoupling the symbol, as you say, the association from the... Yeah, so it's, uh, and yeah. Uh, in, I think in acceptance and commitment therapy, I think it's called diffusion. So where we, okay. we, we take away that symbolism mm -hmm. to the actual kind of situation itself. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Good. Yeah. 
Good. So, um, yeah, and what can what else can we do in terms of dealing with the emotional regulation? Well, I think we talked a little bit last time mm. of relaxation techniques, mm. breathing techniques. One mm. simple breathing technique, have we talked about box breathing? I don't think so. So, so we do it today. Yeah, yeah, so a simple technique that we're going to leave you with today is something called box breathing. And box mm. breathing is based on old breathing techniques that have been around for centuries. Like these breathing techniques have been used in meditation and mm. yoga practice. For well, hundreds of years, if not mm. thousands of years. So they're not new. Yeah. But box breathing was just labelled this way because it's a very simple way to remember the format and the structure. And it has a, a useful way in helping the parasympathetic nervous system. I can't speak today. The no. parasympathetic nervous system to go into play to calm us down. That's the, that's the bit uh, that brings us down, the part of the autonomic nervous system that calms us down. Yeah, and when, and when you've calmed it down, again, it helps us connect more with other people. And I believe box breathing was coined by um, an ex-US Navy SEAL who developed this um, term basically just to help teach uh, war, um, war veterans a way to deal with some of the PTSD and some of the anxiety response okay. yeah. um, so it's, it's kind of talked about a lot on the internet mm. but like I said it's, it's nothing new it's just a variation on kind of mm. common breathing principles but the way that you're going to do it and we'll talk you through it now is you breathe in to a slow count you want to have a slow steady breath where you breathe into your abdomen so your belly will expand your rib cage expands your chest will probably raise a little bit. Breathe in slowly and steadily to a nice slow count, for example, three. And then you're going to hold your breath for that same count. So if you breathe into three, you then hold your breath for a count of three. You then breathe out for a count of three. And then you hold your breath for a count of three. And then you repeat that, basically, that, that square breathing pattern. So in for three, hold your breath for three, out for three, hold your breath for three. And you do that for a few cycles. And what you should notice is that once you've done that, you start to feel a little calmer. Some people, the first time they do it, I find, actually feel a little lightheaded. Mm. And that's because we're not taking oxygen into our system effectively. Mm. Particularly if you're under stress, we're not breathing properly. Yeah. Breathing is so important because it helps to oxygenate our bodies. Yeah. And you know, for us to function properly, to concentrate, to focus, to feel better, uh, we need to make sure we're getting enough oxygen into our system. So this is really important to do. And I think what's also important with these breathing exercises is that you have to practice them regularly. Because I, I hear this quite a lot from clients and they tell me, oh, no, no, didn't make much of a difference. But then they've tried it once or twice and, and didn't really, and that didn't make much of a difference. You have to kind of practice this, do this on a regular basis, and then you can apply it in situations where you notice that you're feeling stressed or anxious, etc. And then it comes more automatically and it helps you to regulate more automatically. So try it. Uh, just, I mean, this doesn't have to take long, right? I mean, just a few yeah. minutes every day, just to get into the habit of, of um, regulating your, your, your breathing, basically. Yeah, and don't, don't expect it to be a miracle cure, because it's not. It's, it, what it's going to do is maybe take the edge off some of that response. Yeah, yeah, so it's not going to make you feel totally calm and relaxed for yeah, most people. Right. Some people it might, but mm. you know, I think even when you practice it a while, it just helps a little bit. And if it helps that little bit so that you can take action, and you know, if, if it's connecting with other people or whatever it is, mm. then that's a positive benefit. So we'll quickly just take you through this now. Um, and if you're driving, you may not want to do this, but you can if you want to, because you don't have to close your eyes. Uh, but I'm just going to take you through this. So just let go of your current breath of air. So breathe out and really just let go of all of that breath of air. 
And I'm going to count you in for a breath. So ready? Breathe in. One, two, three. And hold your breath. One, two, three. Breathe out. One, two, three. And hold your breath. One, two, three. Breathe in. One, two, three. Hold your breath. One, two, three. Breathe out. One, two, three. And hold your breath. One, two, three. Breathe in. One, two, three. Hold your breath. One, two, three. Breathe out. One, two, three. Hold your breath. One, two, three. One more time. Breathe in. One, two, three. Hold your breath. One, two, three. Breathe out. One, two, three. And hold your breath. One, two, three. Good. And just notice how you're feeling now. Just breathe normally. Although it's always good to slow down your breathing anyway. If you notice that you're breathing fast, slowing down your breathing is going to help you kind of calm down, how you feel a bit calmer. Mm-hmm. I mean, just one, should we go for one more simple breathing exercise? Would that be helpful? I mean, one okay. that I often recommend is just because a lot of uh, people, when they're feeling quite stressed, they have this shallow breath and, you know, breathing into the chest rather than breathing into the tummy, yeah, further down the body. So sometimes what I um, tell people is just to put one hand on your belly and just notice as you're breathing in that your belly rises and as you're breathing out that your belly goes down. And just to focus on, you know, having this slightly longer out breath and focusing just on the rising and falling of your belly so that you have a sort of a deeper breath rather than a very shallow breath. That's a very simple exercise. That's really just a starter exercise to more uh, complex breathing exercises. Yeah, and actually to help that, what you can do is if you put one hand in your chest, one in your belly, yeah, just breathe normally, notice which hand moves more, yeah. then you can start to focus your attention into the lower hand around the belly. And, you know, forget all the stuff you were told as a kid about hold your belly in because you don't want to look fat or <laughs> whatever it might be, because that's the sort of messages we're often no, given. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. which essentially stops us breathing properly. We start to feel, well, I have to hold Restricted. my belly in all the time, yeah. so you yeah. stop breathing properly. Yeah. And this is a message that's passed down in so many different past the world so just relax your breathing let the belly expand and ideally you want to let the belly expand first of all the rib cage moves out and once that's expanded you then let your chest raise because to use your whole lungs you're expanding with the belly and the chest and then you let your chest lower and then rib cage lower down lovely okay i think we've got enough for today so right yeah excellent good so again thank you for tuning in today's podcast um, please head over to therelationshipmaze.com where we have lots of resources to help you in your relationships. Uh, and next time, I think we're going to talk about acceptance and commitment therapy with stress and anxiety. So mm-hmm. tune in for that podcast and make sure you subscribe. Yes, and we would be really grateful if you are enjoying these uh, episodes to just tell at least one friend, pass on the message, let them know about our podcast because we'd like to uh, to grow our audience and it is growing steadily. So please pass on that message and stay tuned for next week. Take good care. Bye. Bye.